Hey girl, welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm a saucy 29-year-old who left the corporate world to go on to build a seven-figure online business. But most days, I still feel like I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm obsessed with the process of us getting to figure it out together. We've got epic guests, incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Hey girl, I'm so excited that you're here today because on the show, we have a woman who adds so much value. Her name is Rachel Wright. She's a psychotherapist and relationship coach, and she's been featured in Cosmopolitan, InStyle, Women's Health, NBC News Radio, Psychology Today, Mind Body Green, Bustle, and tons of other outlets because she has such a refreshing and unique approach to communication styles, how we communicate with one another. And she uses that in her counseling practice for relationship counseling. She's the co-founder of Right Wellness Center, where her and her husband, Kyle, are on a mission to help people have better sex, relationship, and mental health. They've got a ton of resources and a supportive online community that helps them do that. But what I love about it is it's basically the bridge between a self-help book and a therapist couch. That's how they identify themselves. It's that sweet spot that we can so connect with right in between needing a book and needing a therapist. Rachel is also a sex educator, speaker, writer, and co-host of a bachelor-themed podcast, The Right Reasons, that hosts a weekly discussion about all things bachelor. So I know you might vibe with that too. She is refreshing, like I mentioned, and has this light about her. She's funny, she's charismatic, and she adds so much valuable information to today's episode. I cannot wait to dive in. Without further ado, here's Rachel. Hello, Rachel. I'm so excited that you're here today. Welcome to the show, girl. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, like literally beyond excited. So of course, everyone kind of heard a little bit of an overview of who you are from like what you do type of perspective. But I'd love if you could give us a little bit of backstory of how you kind of got into this really cool career that you've built for yourself. So take us back a little bit, girl. Oh my gosh. Well, so I was born in San Francisco. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Straight out the womb. I was eight pounds. (laughs) Exactly. I swear though, I was born an empath. Like from day Mm -hmm. freaking one, I had so many damn feelings and did not know what to do with all of the feelings that I had. (laughs) So my backstory goes literally back. I can probably start right around the time where I was applying to grad school. And I think that we've all been through this in our 20s and 30s. I was applying to grad school and I had two dreams. And one dream was to be on Broadway. (laughs) And the other (laughs) dream was to help people have better relationships, have better mental health, and help them with all of their feelings. And Keisha, I don't even know if you know this story, but I got accepted into AMDA, which is the American Musical Dramatic Academy, and into my grad program the same week. Dang, universe yes. is like pick girl, pick. Yes, exactly. The universe was like, here's your actual fork in the road. Have fun figuring this shit out at 22. Wow. And I chose psychology. There was something in me that I knew that I could have a bigger impact on other people's lives through my gifts with feelings versus being on a stage. And yeah. what I didn't realize is that choosing that would actually lead me to be on stages and to get to combine these two passions together. And of course, I still sing at home and all of that, but it was, <laughs> such, it was such a moment of, oh my gosh, like this is that fork in the road moment that we hear so much about in our society. Yeah. And at 22 years old, when you don't really have the skill set to <laughs> make that decision maybe, right? Yes. I mean, what 22-year-old... like. I look back now and I'm like, wow, I am really glad that I followed my intuition because had I just had this narrative of like, follow the dream that you've had since you were three, 
I would have gone to New York when I was 22 and I would have never met my husband, Kyle. This business would have never been formed. Like I'd probably be in cutthroat auditions with other women and I don't want to be in that position at all. So I'm just so grateful that I trusted my intuition at that point. Did you, just to stop you real quick, for anyone that's in that situation right now where they have like two choices, even the 22-year-old self knew to trust your intuition, but is there anything that you would say to someone that's like, Rachel, whoa, we just started this episode and I'm already like, (laughs) I get you, girl. How did you choose? So I did the... The very Monica from Friends thing. And I grabbed (laughs) a giant whiteboard and I wrote down all of the pros and cons of both. Yeah. And I really thought, okay, both here in the present and looking forward, like right now, what do I, what are the pros and cons? And then let's say 10 years from now, what is the best case scenario? And what is the worst case scenario with both paths? And when I looked at the worst and best of both, it became very clear. And all that did was validate my intuition. So the part of my brain that needed to see the facts too, that was like, I don't know about this 22-year-old intuition. Like I need to see a little (laughs) bit more data. It really helped to look and see, okay, so if the worst case happens with this choice, that is still way more preferable than the worst case with that choice. Love it. Such great, like tangible advice for people. Cool. Okay. So then you decide. So I decided I was the youngest person in my master's program, which was a total imposter syndrome. Like before I knew that term, I totally had it. I showed up. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're so young. And so many of these people had kids already. They were in relationships. This was their second career. And here I was like fresh out of college, like, woo, woo, rah, rah. And they're like, okay, girl, like calm down. You have so much energy. And I'm like, I just, I'm so excited to be here. Why don't you have energy? And the dream was always a private practice. I had such a clear goal. And what I learned from, and I'll I'll get to this part of the story, but what I learned from having such a clear goal is that we can reach our goals and it's okay for those goals to change. Yes. So my goal the whole time I was in school was a very traditional psychotherapist, private practice. I would visualize like the couch that I wanted and <laughs> like my clients that would be sitting on the couch and like I'd have a therapy dog in the office and I'd offer my clients tea. Like I had this full vision of what I wanted and fast forward, school was great. I did lots of internships. Like I worked in the prison system. I got to work with CPS for a while. I worked wow. in like lots of different little areas And, you know, fast forward through all the licensing and hours and ridiculous amount of shit that I had to do to get to this point. And I'm in my private practice. By this point, I was with Kyle, my now husband, and I was super unfulfilled. And the first thought that I had was, oh my God, did I choose the wrong fork in the road when I was 22? Wow. And like, I was brought back to that moment of, did I choose wrong? Like, because in my mind, this was such a clear goal. So how could I have gotten to it? How could I have the couch that I wanted? I had a tea station for my clients, like everything that I had wanted aside from the therapy dog had had happened. (laughs) And I'm with this amazing man and I'm still getting to do community theater. And yet something wasn't right. And at the time I was in my PhD program and I was doing this research, like getting ready to do my dissertation around research. And all of this culminated together in this moment of, oh my God, I'm not meant to do either one of the forks in the road. (laughs) Wow. I'm meant to do a combination of both. And so Kyle helped me realize that what I really wanted to do was help way more people than what I could do sitting in my private practice. And that I loved the work that I was doing, but it wasn't on the level that I knew I could impact. And in my PhD program, realizing that there is so much research out there that the general public has no idea about. 
When I found out that we've been researching what makes relationships succeed and fail for 50 years and that no one knows this information, I I threw like a temper tantrum. I was like, (laughs) why don't people know this? Like when we get engaged, why aren't we taking a class on what makes this work? Why, why is there driver's ed, right? Like why is there driver's ed, but there's no relationship ed. Literally, I, my eyes are so big. I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) That's a great point. And so with a 50% divorce rate in our country, it's like, we keep wanting it to get better, but we're not doing anything to make it better. So it's like sitting around eating potato chips being like, I really want to lose weight, but like, why do I keep putting on pounds? It's weird. I'm not doing anything differently. And that's, (laughs) it's the same thing in our relationships. And so that is literally how our business was formed was realizing that we needed to put a fun, accessible voice to the scientific research. And that's what Kyle and I do is make the research super accessible to people in a fun way, in an entertaining way, making it like a really fun, exciting thing to work on yourself and work on your relationship and work on your sex life. Yeah. I mean, what you guys do, I'm so excited that you're here and that people now get to get connected to you because... So many women need to hear what you're doing. Ah, oh, I just love it. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about like what you, what the branches are of kind of what you guys do. So I still work with people one-on-one because mm-hmm. that part of private practice I did love. I just didn't love that that was the only way I could work with people. So I still have have that part of our business. Um, We have a program called Ladies and Libidos. And it's a group program where I get to work with women around sexual health and sexuality. And it's amazing. And then Kyle and I coach together. We teach people the skills. We have online programs and masterclasses. And just recently, we started two brand new podcasts. Um, one has already come out. Kyle's comes out at the end of the month. And I'm just so freaking excited about both of them. One of them is called The Right Reasons, as in our last name, but also a play on the bachelor phrase, are you here for the right reasons? And it's a podcast all about the bachelor franchise, but through the lens of actual healthy communication. Because that show is just filled with so many areas of opportunity. <laughs> yes. And I just need to pause for one second for the girl that's listening to this that watches The Bachelor. Just pause this podcast, come back because Rachel is going to drop some truth. I know that. And subscribe to their podcast, The Right Reasons. Because if you watch The Bachelor, why not make this something so you can educate yourself and f- have more tools in your toolbox to have better relationships and help your friends, coworkers, Sister, mom, cousin. Okay, continue. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. And like, it's so fun because I've been watching The Bachelor forever and ever and ever. And to get to recap the show through the lens of like, this was hilarious. Also, here's how it could have gone better. is so fun mm-hmm. for me because it's really bringing two of my passions together. Yeah. And then Kyle is launching a podcast called Masculinity on the Rocks. And it's all about being a man in today's world and being a bartender for 10 plus years, he has seen and heard a lot. So he's Mm -hmm. kind of taking his education as a bartender and as a relationship coach and combining them. So it's awesome. It's really amazing. And um, for the backstory, Sina and I met Rachel and Kyle a few months back and we're obsessed with them. And Kyle, (laughs) (laughs) just subtle, subtle obsession. And Kyle is amazing and has such good interpersonal skills. And he's such a perfect voice. If you're listening to this, because we don't, we have mostly, you know, female listeners. But if you're listening to this and your husband is looking to grow, Kyle's a great voice for that because he's, he's a guy's guy, but with an interpersonal introspective that can connect with women too. So like, that's the thing that you would want your husband listening to if I was you. Um, so totally, excited about that too. Totally. Yeah. So, it's kind of okay. like the gateway drug into emotions for men. Yes. <laughs> yes. So good. Okay. I love that. So, okay. A lot of women that are listening to this are kind of in that demographic, right? That you really work with. So I'd love for you to talk to us about like maybe one of your favorite areas that you get to coach 20 or 30 something year olds that are either 
newly married or about to get married or in that first year of marriage, that like sweet spot right there. What do you kind of talk to them about in your, in your coaching? Oh, I love this question. And seriously, like, I know I told you this offline, but I just want to thank you for having this podcast because I think it's so important to be talking about these things. And like I said, you're the perfect person to do it. So just a, just a caveat. Um, So I would say one of the most common things that women especially comes to me to is, or come to me for, is how do I get my husband to actually tell me how he's feeling? And how do I express how I'm feeling without causing a fight? Ooh. So we, we have these weird misconceptions around emotions that if we confront someone with something or want to have a conversation, that it's immediately going to turn into something negative. And because we're not taught communication skills, like we were talking about earlier, of course we're terrified. It's like getting behind the wheel of a car without having driver's ed. Like you're probably going to crash it if you don't know where the brake pedal is. And so we avoid conversations with our partners about really important things because we're so afraid we're going to crash our relationship. Wow. And what ends up happening is we stuff shit under the rug until the rug is at the ceiling. And that's usually when people will seek therapy is there is five years of shit that has been shoved under this rug. And so, yeah, it's going to take a lot of time to unpack what's under there. But if we can actually start with just acknowledging one thing at a time, then it doesn't build up. And it's so much easier to handle things as they come up. So that's really a big, big thing that women come to me with is like, number one, my husband won't listen to me. Like, not in the sense of he doesn't care, but he's not hearing what I'm saying. So almost as if like she's coming to him. And again, this is very like stereotypical heterosexual. So there's differences with other couples, but a female typically coming to a male partner and saying like, blah, 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 blah. And they basically hear Japanese. And they're like, I have no idea what you just said. And so how the woman takes that. And I'm sure we've all been there. If you're listening, Mm -hmm. like why doesn't my husband or boyfriend or fiance get it? Why, Mm -hmm. why isn't he hearing me? Like, am I speaking Chinese? And the answer (laughs) is yes. Like you are. (laughs) You are. (laughs) Like, even though it's English, you're speaking Chinese because he's not understanding what you're saying. Right. So it's not that he doesn't want to understand it's that we're not communicating in a way that our partner can hear us. We're communicating in a way that we would want to be communicated to. And that's different than how our partner needs to be communicated to. Right. So what are some tips around how someone would better communicate, I guess, like start one of those conversations? So we like to use this acronym called AEO. And that's the easiest way to remember it. AEO. So it's acknowledge, explain, and offer. So acknowledgement is the piece that we skip. (laughs) We usually skip A and O and just explain. So usually we come (laughs) up to our partner and we're like, so I feel really tired of doing the dishes and it's really annoying because I'm the only one that does the housework. Yep. And that's it. Yeah. I can't like I can't even tell you how many people I've had tell me that. Like, wow. Okay, sorry, continue. (laughs) (laughs) I love your face right now. I wish everyone could see it. So the acknowledgement piece is you're acknowledging the elephant in the room. So let's say you've talked about this a hundred times. Then the acknowledgement is, hey honey, I need to talk to you about something. And I know we've talked about it a lot. So you're already acknowledging. Acknowledging what your partner could come back and say, oh my God, we've talked about this so many times. Or yeah. let's say you're really nervous and you know it's an intense topic. Like it's, it's about in-laws or money or sex. You can then say the acknowledgement would be, hey, I know that this is a really sensitive and tricky topic for us to talk about. And I want to acknowledge that before we start the conversation. So, so we're 
right? Like we're, we're setting each other up on this equal playing field. And by the way, these are tips you could totally use with your friends too. Like yeah. whenever I have a conversation with a girlfriend, if it's going to be more intense, I'll start it with an acknowledgement. Like, hey, I know we haven't talked in three months and now we're going to be talking, but I just wanted to like call that out right away. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step is the acknowledgement. Then the explain is where we're really good at. <laughs> that's, where, <laughs> that's where we get to just dump, right? Yep. It's like, now ideally we're doing it in I statements and saying things like, I feel blank when you blank instead right. of, so instead of like, you don't do the dishes and I'm pissed off, it's, I feel hurt or upset when you don't do the dishes. So it becomes about you and not an accusation or pointing the finger at the other person. Because when we feel attacked or like we're pointing a finger or shaming, we immediately defend. And that's mm-hmm. just human nature. And then we wonder why our partners are so defensive. Well, it's because they're perceiving an attack on them. Yeah. So that's the so second good. step. So acknowledge, explain, mm-hmm. and then offer. And offer is the part of the other thing that we skip over all the time. And that's your actual proposed solution. Because most of the time, and I see this with like every couple ever. Yeah. We'll get through them expressing how they feel. And I'll ask the person, okay, what would you like instead? And their face is blank. Yeah. They're like, I, I, I don't know. I've just thought about all the shit I don't like. Mm-hmm. And so it forces you as the person coming to have the conversation to think about the actual solution to the problem, not just harping over and over and over again on the problem itself. So altogether, it would yeah. look like, hey, I know that this is a, a tricky topic. We've talked about it a lot. I feel hurt when you don't do the chores around the house. What I would really love is if you could make sure that the dishes are done on Wednesdays by 7 p.m. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy because it's so simple, but the way that you can articulate that, if you can train your brain to actually react in that manner and just remember that tiny little AEO acronym, like that is a game changer for relationships and how that other person feels. And I was just thinking when you were saying that we're so good at explaining, which I mean, I'm real good at explaining. (laughs) That's for damn sure. But when I think about that, it's also, I would be curious as to your take on this with all of your education is I think of self-confirming bias where I'm looking for evidence to support it, where I've decided that Cena's, you know, being insensitive or something. And I'm like, oh, and you did this and you did this and you did this. Yes. And I'm a lot better at it now that I have a lot more tools in my toolbox because of things like what you're talking about. Um, but it's so easy to do that. And then all of a sudden you've got this huge pile of evidence and like no one's going to fight you when you've got a pile of evidence, right? Yes. So- Can you talk a little bit about just that whole self-confirming bias and kind of just that whatever verbiage you'd want to use to that of why we do that and how to catch ourselves maybe? Totally. So we do that because we want to feel right. Yeah. We don't want to feel stupid. We don't want to feel um, not, not smart enough or like we miss something. So we look for things around us to collect, just like you said, to collect evidence to support whatever it is we believe. If we think that we need to lose 15 pounds, we will then subconsciously go and put on our smallest pair of pants the next day to confirm our brain. Like, oh, that's right. I do need to lose 15 pounds instead of going to pull the, you know, stretchy pants and being like, oh, these fit great. Like we, yeah. <laughs> we want to confirm our beliefs without even realizing it sometimes. And so that's why coming up with the solution, that will help immediately take you out of that process. So when we get mm-hmm. stuck in finding that evidence, we get stuck in the explain part of the conversation, but internally, because mm-hmm. we're coming up with all of these reasons why, 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 when in reality, like, 
and I say this with all the love in the world, who cares? Like, what is the solution you want? Yep. Because yes, it's important to identify your feelings. Of course, there's, I'm not saying that in any way, like that needs to happen. But once that's identified, what is the solution? What do you want to see happen? And that could just be your partner hearing you out. Or, you know, the the solution could be, I want to be able to have a conversation for 10 minutes without our cell phones at the end of the day. Yep. Like it, it doesn't have to be necessarily like a chore or, or a thing. It could be just, you know, please um, repeat back to me what you hear so that I can make sure that I communicated it appropriately and right. the best of my ability. And we get so caught up in this wanting to like, quote unquote, win a fight. Yeah. And Kyle says this awesome thing. He said it once on our podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh, mic drop, babe. He's like, every time you try to win a fight in your relationship, your relationship is losing. Wow. And it's true because we're a team, right? Like if you're choosing to spend your life with this person, you're a team. Mm -hmm. And as a team, we need to come at things together. And your teammate will only know what's going on for you if you communicate it. So huge. And that's another major pitfall is thinking that our partner is supposed to know like everything about us forever and always. Like what we like, what we want for dinner. It's so, we were just, Cena and I were just talking about this yesterday um, that we've been together for 10 years. And he said something and I was like, you like that? (laughs) I was... And I was like, I feel like I should know that you like, like it was like a food or something. And I was like, I can't believe I didn't know that you liked that. And I'm like, I feel like I know everything, but like we're constantly evolving. So can you actually talk to that? Because I think there's like two demographics. Like I'm thinking of the woman that's listening to this, that's kind of, you know, in a relationship at that early stages of getting married and kind of learning how to navigate that transition. But then there's the woman who's listening to this, who has a couple of kids or has gone through maybe what she would identify as kind of a lull in like the excitement in her relationship. She's Mm -hmm. been in a relationship for a long time. How do you help someone find that like excitement back again if they feel like they've lost it? I, I feel like you're like, the guru of this. So I'd love to hear you kind of talk about whatever, <laughs> whatever you want in this realm. Cause you guys are super obsessed with each other and you've been together for a long time. Yeah, we are. And just like <laughs> you said, it's, we change literally every day. Like yeah. today I could eat broccoli and throw up and then I don't like broccoli <laughs> anymore. Right. Like True. literally anything could change. And so right. this idea of like, Oh, we've been together for, you know, 10 plus years. We know everything about each other. Like, it's lazy. It's, it's really yep. us being lazy and just wanting somebody to be like, yeah, I know everything. And that's just not true. So to answer your question, the good news is, is that it's actually the same answer for both demographics. Oh, cool. Okay. Right. Which is amazing. Cause like, I think that we could get so, um, so caught up in where we are in life. Like, oh, okay, well I'm, X age and I'm at this place. So I should be doing blank. Yes. And those shoulds cause so much anxiety, so much depression. They, the shoulding on ourselves that we do on a daily basis is one of the worst things that we can do for ourselves. So I love that this answer is really vast and general because it applies to everybody. So it doesn't matter if you have eight kids or you're just dating, it's the same goes. So John Gottman, who is like the gold standard relationship researcher when it comes to this realm, he and his wife have found that the very core of every successful relationship that lasts and where the both people are happy is knowing each other at the core but constantly updating what he calls a love map. So just like we were saying, we change all the time. So if I like vanilla ice cream this week, next year they might come out with a different flavor that then replaces vanilla for me. And I'm like, oh, 
have you guys ever had coffee ice cream? Like, <laughs> now I don't even like vanilla. I only want to drink coffee. And it's not just our preferences. It's how we think about the world. We all experience the world differently. And I think that we forget that a lot. Like even right now, we're looking at the same thing, but mm-hmm. we could see different colors. We could see different shapes. Like literally our eyes see the world differently. And right. our our brains, our system, we experience the world differently. And to understand how your partner experiences the world, that is the foundation of everything. So we actually have a free resource. I'll link it here if that's cool with you. Absolutely, please. So it's 53 questions based on John Gottman's research to continually update yourself on your partner. And we made a game around it called the update date game. Where, oh, fun. Right? <laughs> you like, I don't even know the details. And I'm like, oh, it sounds fun. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So I'm like, it's fun. I'm doing it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We got to make this shit fun. Otherwise, it's like, oh, I have to work on my relationship now. Like, no, it can be really fun. So you literally go through, you roll a dice and whatever number comes up on the dice, you can pick. So if it's like, two and a three, it could be 23 or 32. It's totally up to you. And you go to that question on the list and you have to answer it. So it'll say like, what is your partner's biggest fear in life? Cool. And you, and you're guessing it's not a test. It's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you didn't know this about me. It's to truly learn about your partner at each stage of life. And those stages could be five, 10 years apart and they could be five, 10 months apart or five, 10 weeks apart. Like 2018 felt like five years of experiences for me and Kyle. Whereas 2017, right? 2018 was like bananas. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And 2017 was the opposite. It was very slow for us. Like not a lot shifted. It was like more of a cocoon year for both of us as individuals and our relationship. So the times that we had to do or wanted to do this update date thing, they were less in 2017. Whereas in 2018, it was like, oh my God, if we did this every day, like it might not be enough (laughs) to keep up with how fast shit's going. Yeah. So it's really up to you how often you do it. But it is so amazing to realize that we get to continually learn about our partners and that that's a gift. Like yeah. we, we picked this amazing, cool person that we want to do all of these things with. And we get to keep learning about them because they're going to keep evolving and growing just like we are. Oh, I love that. And it's so cool to have something so tangible as a resource. And like, honestly, I already thought about this where I'm like, okay, date night, drinking a bottle of wine and playing this yep. game and rolling the dice. Like that sounds so fun to me. Um, this is 29. Well, <laughs> exactly. I know, right? I'm like, let's stay in, have a bottle of wine and get to know each other. Yes, I love it. Um, okay, so I have another question that's kind of on what you just said of the stage of life thing where a lot of people are like, by the time I turn, just because I know you and I have talked about this with like 30, <laughs> yeah. is such a thing for people or 35, like I'm at this stage and I haven't done this and how much strain that puts on your relationship how do you talk to someone that comes to you with a lot of anxiety around that? Because for some reason, that's not something that I struggle with now, but I talk to a lot of women that do and about their ovaries. Like people always ask me, your ovaries are 29. I'm like, I guess they are. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, can you talk to that? Is my totally. Question. <laughs> so first and foremost, like normal. I just yeah. want to call that out because- yeah. I just, I turned 30 in September and I basically had a breakdown. Like, I think it was like two weeks ago. I was, I came out of the room and Kyle was like, are you okay? And I just literally started crying. Like I was a character on a TV show. Like tears were like flying out of my eyes. I was like, we, the babies and and I don't (laughs) don't want babies. And like, should I freeze my eggs. <laughs> Rachel, just time out one second because I literally, I just want people to hear that when they think that you have your ish together and like I've got my ish together and that's totally not true because we, no one does. But no. 
I literally, that was my last freak out was like, wait, <laughs> I don't want to, should I, should I get on a plane and go somewhere and freeze my eggs yes. today? That's like literally I, today. And yes. I was crying about it. And then I was like, wait, this is dumb. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Sorry. Yes. Continue. No, that's I, exactly. And, and I started, ju- that's the worst part is I started judging myself for it. Right. I was like, come on, Rachel, get your shit together. This was the internal dialogue. Yep. And I'm sitting there like, would I ever in my life talk to a friend or client like this? No. Yeah. So why am I being such an asshole to myself right now? Yeah. So yeah, we definitely all like normal, my friends, normal. Right. <laughs> we all have those moments. And I can tell you a story another time about how I flipped Kyle off in a parking lot once. Oh, we boy. were in Utah <laughs> and he was like, you can walk back to California. <laughs> like, <laughs> and we teach conflict management. Like, it's, it's yeah. okay. We all have these. Anyway, that was not your question, but. No, totally. I, I think it, I think it's really valuable though for someone to hear because, you know, you're an expert in this field. You're highly educated, much more than anyone that's, you know, likely listening to this is educated in relationships and mm-hmm. why our brains work the way that we work. Yeah. And with all of this science and research backing you, which is why I love it because you have this lightness and um, girl next door, like I want to be your best <laughs> friend type of, you know, mentality, but this science that backs what you're saying, which is so powerful. But I think when someone could look at you and say like, oh, Rachel, of course you and Kyle have your ish all together. You probably never freak out like I just did. Um, That's just not the reality behind it. And so even though I can say I'm actually not struggling with this right now, as in maybe in the last couple of weeks or months, but I'm sure when I turn 30, I'm probably going to lose my mind. And even if you know, I don't know if you struggle with this at all or people that you talk to, but when you start to know better, you're like, I have the skill set for this. Why am I acting this way? Oh, then yeah. you beat yourself up even more almost. Oh, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Whenever I would, whenever anxiety or depression would pop into, you know, it runs in my family. I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. And after I became a licensed therapist, if I felt anxious, I was so mean to myself. I was yeah. like, I'm licensed. I help people with this. I should, again, the shoulds, I yep. should be able to manage this if I'm able to help other people. And like, you guys, that's not the reality. Like the reality is that none of us have our stuff all together. We're all going to have moments and we're all going to have those moments could be a moment or they could be a week or a couple weeks. Like, and that's okay. It's okay to not have everything perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. There is just now. So really looking at like, to get back to what you actually asked me, (laughs) to look at where are you putting pressure on yourself in your life based on those shoulds, but communicate those to your partner. So the reason why, I'll use myself as an example, the reason why I came out of our bedroom with tears flying out of my face was because I hadn't taken the time to sit down and have a meaningful conversation about it with Kyle. Yeah. So I was internalizing it. I was putting it all on me thinking, well, if I have to carry the baby, like I had this whole thought process that literally didn't even involve my partner. Yeah. It's and so not only is there this external pressure, but then I was putting it on myself. Mm-hmm. And the second that I was able to sit down and share those feelings with him, within 15 minutes, Keisha, we had a plan for our kids. Yeah. And then amazing. since then, gone. So it's not about shoving away necessarily all of the societal stuff because we can't do that. Like it's so prevalent everywhere we go, whether yep. you're watching TV, looking at a magazine on a billboard, like that is everywhere. And it's so subliminal and subconscious that like we cannot have armor up to shoo all of those things away. But what we can do is become aware that they are in there and talk about them with our partners. Right. So using the AEO, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, I know that this is a conversation that might be really challenging for us to have. I'm feeling incredibly overwhelmed and nervous about the prospect of when, how, where, all the things around kids. Yeah. I would really love it if we sat down and had a conversation about this. Would you be open to it? 
so so good and like that boom done that dialogue like just thank you Rachel because that dialogue for someone right now that wants to have a conversation with their significant other or with their best friend or with their manager or with their mother-in-law like some someone is going to hear that right now and pause this jot it down in their phone and go have that conversation and I just want to thank you on behalf of that person that can't thank you themselves because that is so huge to have those resources because I think you nailed it where we're going to feel those feels But when you've got tools in your toolbox, that when you feel it, you can tap into those tools to manage through it, not thinking that you're crazy, but thinking that you're normal, but you just want to sharpen your tool set, right? And I think- exactly. You you guys do an amazing job with that. Okay. So I have one more question before I move into the final two questions, which is, I want to just hear your thoughts on someone who's- just like at the last straw with their marriage Mm. or their relationship. And um, I don't feel like this is often talked about. And what's the analogy that you guys call yourself between a... Uh, Oh, we're bridging the gap between a self-help book and a therapist couch. Yes, exactly. Like that sweet spot in the middle, which I think is so crucial and why I'm obsessed with you guys (laughs) for a lot of reasons, but that's one. Um, So can you talk to the person who is like, Rachel... I could not have that conversation with my significant other. And I actually don't know if this is my person and how help, right? Like I'm just picturing them feeling that way. Like, yes, I don't know what to do. Can you give me a tool or resource? Oh my gosh. I love this. So first and foremost, again, you're normal. I have not met anyone in my life that has not questioned their relationship on one day or another. Yep. Even the happiest people who are together forever and ever and ever, and overall the positives outweigh the negatives, even that person, and that includes me, like I will raise my hand. Mm -hmm. It is so normal to question. And not only is it normal, but it's good because it means that you actually care about yourself enough to make sure that you're in the right place for yourself. You're in the best relationship for you. So first and foremost, it's normal. Now, it doesn't take away from the shitty pain of it. Of course, the pain is awful. And if you are at that point where you feel like you cannot have that conversation, reach out to somebody And ideally, it is reaching out to somebody with some semblance of experience in working with relationships. And I don't even mean it has to be a professional. Like, yes, ideally, we can hop on a call, right? And with somebody like me or somebody else and talk it through. And within, you know, 60 minutes, we could probably figure out what's going on and what the next step is. But if that's not within your resources right now, my biggest piece of advice to you is to journal. And if writing is not your thing, grab your phone and open up voice memos and talk it out. Pretend you're talking to a therapist or a coach or your best friend and just talk. Because when we open up the floodgates of our brain, it is unbelievable the stuff that can come out. And most likely there's some deep-seated stuff that isn't right in the forefront of our brain. So we're, we're thinking this one thought over and over again. And sometimes we have to push that out, like literally push it out through writing or talking to access what's behind it. Like think of it as a wave, right? Like there's mm-hmm. part of a wave that the first part has to hit the shore before the rest of the wave can come in. And that's really what our thoughts are like. So the whole point of journaling or talking things through is to get that out and complete the wave cycle. So do that first and foremost. But if you are seriously considering ending the relationship, I would talk to at least three people. That's my magic number. So your best friend, your sister, your coach, your mentor, your therapist, your whatever person you trust, talk to three people about it. Because the difference, the biggest difference between, well, there are many differences, But one of the biggest differences between your friends and a coach or a therapist is a therapist is trained to not have bias and your friends are not. Right. So 
your friend who loves you to freaking pieces has their mm-hmm. own experience of things. And that's going to creep into the advice that she gives you. That's going to creep into the feedback that she has. And not on purpose. It's not malicious or bad. It just is. Like we all have our own biases. When it yeah. comes to talking with a therapist, literally there was a whole class in my master's program about how to not bring in your own personal stuff into a session. So that's why like, if it's three people, then at least you're getting biases from three different people in your life so that you can kind of take it all in and filter through everything and yeah. see what the common thread is. It's, it's interesting that you brought that up too, because I'm thinking about sometimes like there's a, a girlfriend in my life that has come to me about a relationship that she's ending. And I've said to her out loud, you know, I'm so biased. <laughs> And this is going to be through my lens of what I I think you should do. But it's almost like sometimes we seek out the people that are going to give us the response that we want to have. Yes. There's that confirmation bias. Yeah. And I, and I think it's like, I know when I have an idea and I want someone to get as excited as me, like I know the people I'm going to call to get the type of feedback that I want. And so maybe we even challenge ourselves. Like I was just thinking out loud as you were saying that, I'm like, maybe I challenge myself to make sure that I'm asking someone that I don't really know what they're going to say or they yes. might disagree with me. Yes. Right? Totally. Or have a different perspective. Totally. And that like, if you can talk to 15 people, great. The, the only thing around asking more and more people is yeah. to make sure that your voice, your ideas, your yes. intuition to take this full circle is not getting muted or drowned out from those other people's stuff. So like the beginning of this talk, we were talking about my fork in the road moment at 22. If I had asked 25 people, I may have not been able to hear my own voice. Yes. And so that's like, there's, and there's a balance between those two. So whatever you can figure out for you, you know, internally how many is too many people just check in with yourself and make sure that that's not happening. So good. I love that you preach that self-awareness so hard because I feel like that's the secret sauce. So perfect way to tie that up. So let's move into the final two questions that I ask everyone, which is this, you know, this entire podcast is about empowering women to take action in their lives, to build lives that they're obsessed with. And I think you gave so many resources around relationships and self-awareness and communication. And I love that. And I'm so excited, but I want to know What do you do for yourself when you're feeling in a funk to pump yourself up? And what is your favorite go-to pump up jam that we can toss on our Spotify playlist? Okay. So (laughs) I love this question so much. (laughs) They're actually, they go together because what I do when I'm in a funk is I access my inner child. Yeah. And my inner child loves show tunes. (laughs) (laughs) so no matter how I'm feeling if it's even if I'm just wanting to lay on the couch and eat cookies and be under the blanket I will get myself up and put on my show tunes playlist and belt out some songs yes and I have different playlists for like sad Broadway songs like fast uplifting Broadway songs. And so whatever mood I need to get, I will go to those. And if it's, if I'm in a funk and I need to cry, I'll put on the sad ones because sometimes that's what I need to get out of the funk. It's not just trying to contradict the funk with like, woo, pump it. Like sometimes that's too much. And it's like, no, I actually need to stay in this place of deep feeling and sadness. And like, I need to have a good cry. So I'm going to put on like Les Mis and just cry. Like, and that's okay. I love that you just, not like anyone ever needs permission from anyone to do anything. But I think the way that you said that is so huge because I've said to Cena before, I feel like a cry is coming on, but I'm actually happy. So I'm going to go watch the saddest Netflix documentary that I can find. And I'll just be crying. And he's like, is everything fine? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just like letting it out. (laughs) And I don't feel crazy because people like you say it's okay. So <laughs> that helps me feel good. <laughs> um, I love that. Okay, and no, it's your, so good. What? So and you're, this, yeah, you're pump up one. What's your like uplifting song from show? So there's a song from Mean Girls, the musical. Yes. Which 
if you haven't seen it, anyone listening to this, like as a woman in our general age range, please see it. Like, please, it is so good. So there's a song called I'd Rather Be Me. And it's all about how she feels like her two best friends have really screwed her over. And she doesn't feel like she wants to play along with this catty stuff that happens in high school and all of this stuff. And the line in the song is, I'd rather be me than be with you. And Ooh. it's a pump up, like literally on stage, they're like, whoa, 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 like they're jumping. <laughs> and so like you can jump with it. I love this song. I listen to it all the time. I look like a psycho walking around the streets in New York sometimes because I'll just literally like dance outside. It's one of my fa- favorite songs ever. And I love it. Perfect. So good. Okay. And then um, did you have anything else you wanted to add on that or final question? No, I, I you're just, good. Okay, I'm, cool. Yeah. I'm like, I just freaking, love, I just love your answer. You, <laughs> you just pumped me up. Okay. Final question is 20, 30 something year olds. Those are the main demographic of women that are listening to this. So is there anything that you want to say and tie this whole thing like up in a bow to the woman who feels stuck and needs to take action in some capacity of her life? Yes. And it has nothing to do with taking forward action, but it does. (laughs) Yeah. Be kind to yourself. No matter where you are, no matter who you're with, whether you wanted to be with someone else or you love who you're with, or you wanted to have X amount of money in the bank by now and you're still X amount of money in debt, no matter what is going on, be kind to yourself. Because at the end of the day, you are modeling how you want other people to treat you by the way that you treat you. And if if you're being rude to you, you're giving permission for other people to be too. So good. So good. Rachel, I literally love you. So where can people find you? Because obviously everyone's going to want to connect with you. Oh my God. I love you too. You guys can find me literally like everywhere. So Instagram, it's at the right underscore Rachel. Facebook, Right Wellness Center, The Right Reasons. We have our website. We have a free member hub. I would love any any resource that you need. We have like literally like seven free resources in the member hub. It's outrageous. So we'll link it there. But please feel free to reach out like Facebook DM, Instagram DM, all of the DMs like reach out if you need anything. I am so there for you. And that's right with a W just in yes. case anyone yes. was wondering. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Rachel. I appreciate you. I'm so grateful for what you're doing in the world and for women and for men and for relationships and just everything. You are just such an incredible person. So thank you so much for being on the show today, girl. Thank you. Right back at you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, I would so appreciate it if you share it with your girlfriends or better yet, post it on Instagram stories and tag me. Then I can personally say thank you for helping me get this message out there. And if you didn't vibe with it, just keep that to yourself. I'm kind of new here. Still trying to figure it all out. Talk to you soon, girl. <laughs>